everyone, I'm Kenneth. Welcome back to Forward, the podcast on Christian growth. Um, I'd like to thank everyone that's been listening to the show. We've been out about four weeks now. This is uh, session number five. Um, before we get started, I wanted to kind of share with you some places that you can find us on the uh, on the web. First, you can find us on Facebook and uh, just look up Forward uh, Christian Growth and you'll find us there. Um, that's new. We just started that this week. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. You know, type in forward, a colon, and then Christian Growth. Same thing for Stitcher. You can find us there. And last but not least, our blog is located on forwardchristiangrowth.wordpress.com. So those are the places that you can kind of find us and uh, follow along with us as we go through the the real-life things that Christians face every day. Um, so today we're going to be discussing a, a fairly tough subject. You know, it's going to be on idols and addictions. Um, and there's a reason I'm putting this in the same podcast, and we'll go over that here in just a few more minutes. But uh, as we look around at society today, we see people enslaved by both of these. You know, both the idols and the addictions. Um, even godly people have succumbed to these things. You know, and and even me, I'm not immune to them. You know, I constantly have to keep a watch on my life to make sure that, you know, things are not enslaving me. You know, keeping me from my relationship. Um, with the Father. So one thing I want us to do is to uh, first turn to Second Kings, twenty-two eleven. Now a little bit, a little bit of backstory here. This is on uh, Josiah the king. He became king at eight years old. Um, Eighteen years later, that's where we're going to in this verse. You know, fast forward, he's about twenty-six years old, and they have found the book of law in the temple, and they've just read it before the king, and he's twenty-six now. So remember, he's young. Anyway, verse eleven says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. You know, so he had, he had just heard the truth. You know, it's someone had just came to him and told him the truth about the situation and everything that's going on, what God expects. And uh, it grieved him, you know, so much so that he tore his clothes. Now, let's turn to Second Kings 23.8. That's the very next chapter. And we're going to kind of see exactly what he does now that he knows the truth. You know, what is it that uh, that Josiah does? And let's take a look down at verse 8. It says, now, there's a lot of things he does before this, but this kind of sums it all up. It says, then Josiah brought all the priests from the cities of Judah, and he defiled, or tore down, the high places from Geba to Beersheba, where the priests had burned incense. He tore down the high places of the gates at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city which was on the left of the city gate. You know, so once he found out the truth, he did something about it. Um, he made a covenant with the Lord that he would serve him with all his strength, um, with all his might, and he proceeded to do so. You know, he tore down the high places. He turned uh, the people back to God. You know, and we can take this as a lesson for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Once we know the truth, once we've read our Bibles, we've done our devotions, we've prayed to God, and He's revealed to us what it is that we should be doing with our lives, sitting back at that point is not an option. So let's get into this on idols and addictions. You know, first I want to kind of give a, a, a definition. And we're going to start with, uh, with idols. You know, what are idols? You know, a lot of people nowadays think that, uh, 
uh, idol worship is just an, an Old Testament problem. You know, that that's all it has to do with. But let me give you a definition, and then we're going to kind of go into some examples. So to me, idols are anything that we make greater than God or greater than our relationship with him. You know, the, the relationship that we have with God. Um, and here's some examples that I've seen, you know, we just in, you know, my life, everyday life. And I see these quite often. And I want to give them to you just so you can kind of open your eyes that, that idol worship is not just an Old Testament problem. So, for example, I've seen many people uh, buy a statue of St. Francis, you know, bury it a certain way in the yard in the hopes of selling a house. You know, this goes on every day. Um, you're buying a man-made statue, burning it into your yard, and in the hopes that by doing that ritual, then your house is going to sell quicker than what it normally would have. You know, that is idol worship. You're giving the powers of God to that statue. You know, you're giving your worship to that little statue. Um, now, here's one that most people don't think about. You know, and we talk about intellectual idolatry. Let, let me tell you a story. Uh, about this because what this is based off of is we're taking man's words over God's words you know we're putting more more emphasis on what what men write and what God writes and uh, and what his word means so I had a uh, an older lady that I talked to many months ago and she was asking me if I knew of any book that she could read that would reassure her mother her mother was dying and didn't have long left and uh, her mother was concerned that when she got to heaven, she would not recognize her sister when she got there. And so she came to me and asked me if I knew of a book that would reassure her mother that, yes, when she got there, she would recognize family members. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I sure do. I said, it's called the Bible. You know, there are plenty of examples of uh, when we go to the next life that we're going to recognize people, even people we don't we don't know. it. And I referenced the story of... You know, Lazarus and the rich man. You know, as Lazarus was a poor man at his gate, and he winds up going to Abraham's bosom. Then the rich man dies, and he goes to hell. Well, he looks up, the rich man does, and sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and he sees Abraham. Now, one point I want to bring across, and I brought across to her, is that there's no way that this rich man could recognize Abraham from his prior life, because he'd never met him. But he knew him then. He knew exactly who Abraham was. But he also recognized Lazarus. And not only that, but he knew that he had brothers still left on earth that uh, needed someone to save them, to keep them from going to hell. So we are definitely going to know. You know, we, our minds are not white blank, you know, when we move on to this next life. You know, or we will never keep the lessons we learned down here. But I'll never forget what this, uh, this lady told me. She said, oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone famous that she can read. You know, intellectual idolatry. There, she was looking for someone that was famous that had wrote a book that she could take to her mother and read to her mother instead of the Word of God. That's idol worship. Now, this, that something we're going to talk about hero worship, and that is kind of on the same as intellectual idolatry. But we're going to talk about hero worship here, which is the same thing as uh, idolatry. You know, your favorite authors, your pastors, and your singers have more weight than your own personal relationship with God. You know, how many times have we seen people run to the uh, the Christian bookstore to grab the latest book, you know, to grab the latest CD song, 
They, they never miss a certain pastor on TV. Yet when you talk to them about the Word of God or or what their relationship with is with God, you know, they're like babies on milk still. And they've been, you know, a Christian for 20 plus years. You know what I'm saying? They, they put more emphasis on their hero than they do on their relationship with God. You know, they will go out of their way to spend time with their hero before they would go out of their way to spend time with their father. So those are just three things that I've seen on idol worship. Um, let's move on into addiction. Now pay attention when I give you the definition, my definition of addiction, because you'll see that it it mirrors idol worship. So my definition of addiction is anything that enslaves us to the point that God and our relationship with him must come second. You know, that sounds a lot like idol worship, don't it? Um, and addiction has some similarities to it. But let's talk about some addictions that, that most people don't don't talk about and that, and that I have seen. And then we're going to go into some more common ones. But think about this. Bible addiction. So I know people who have seven or eight Bibles. I've seen these people. They're usually all the same translation. Some of them are different. But then you start, you know, you get in the discussion with them that mature Christians should have about the Bible and the Word of God. And, and they're still, what they say, they're on a quest. I've heard that so many times that they're still on a quest to learn who God is and, and find out what He wants and what their goal for their lives is and things like that. And you would think that with seven or eight Bibles that, you know, they would have at least read one of them. You know, so what happens is they're addicted to the trappings of the Word of God but not to the actual substance of the Word of God. Now, that applies to a lot of us, you know, when it comes to, you know, our churches and, you know, the what we portray to the outside world, the trappings of Christianity, the trappings of a follower of Jesus, yet we have no substance. You know, and this Bible addiction, you know, is a manifestation of that. And now, you know, we're going to come to like a kind of a hard one, you know, substance abuse. You know, is an addiction. You are a slave to whatever substance that, you know, you are addicted to. So, we all know cigarettes. You know, cigarettes is, is an addiction. You know, you can't stop it yourself. Um, it's just, you, it, it enslaves you. Alcohol, the same thing. I've lost two uncles, you know, in the past, you know, to alcohol abuse. You know, one died in a car wreck. The one burned himself up in his house. Um, but food addiction. You know, we have uh, people out there with an addiction to food that um, that cannot say no. But what about uh, pornography, one that uh, many people don't want to talk about? Many men and women out there are addicted to pornography. A lot of pastors also, I saw a survey on that, addicted. You know, imagine, you know, leaving your Bible study to go get a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of puts it in perspective. You know, if your schedule is dictated by your addiction and not God, then you can tell that that's an addiction. You know, hey, I have to go get this drink or I have to spend this evening out drinking instead of in a Bible study or spending time with God. You know what I'm saying? You don't go to these Bible studies because, you know, you're afraid people are going to find out about your addiction to food or pornography. You know, those things are, are they're hidden and they're killing your relationship with God. Now, at some point, we must come to to the realization that um, we must come to the point in our lives where we see idols and addictions for what they truly are. You know, they are sin. 
idol worship, addictions, or sin. You know, these things take away from our relationship with our Father. They do enslave us. You know what I'm saying? Nothing good can come out of these things. But until we realize that these things are sin, both in my life and your life, then, then we cannot move on. You know what I'm saying? If you see it as just another uh, thing of dealing with the world, this is just you know what the world is like, then you'll never get better. You'll always be a slave, and your relationship with God you know, would be hindered. Now, before we judge these people, before I am judged on my addictions uh, and idol worship, before we judge anyone else, we must remember what Romans 3.23 says. You know, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, we all have our sins. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're to be here to help these people, to show them the truth so that they can tear down the high places in their lives. You know, but if we abandon them to their own uh, and God has put us in their path to help them, but we abandon them, then uh, we're doing a great injustice, you know, not only to them, but to our Father. So like always, you know, near the end of the, the podcast, you know, with this being on Christian growth, you know, I would be doing injustice if I didn't give you some practical applications. Um, now, these are things that I've seen in my own life. I've seen them work. I've seen uh, uh, people be helped through it. Uh, but number one, the number one practical application is God must be your first priority. He's got to be. And, you know, it. Without God in it, you're not going to have the strength to do it. And if you do uh, make it on your own strength, when it does come back, it's going to be seven times worse. So you've got to make God a priority in your life. You know, and when you do, when you decide, hey, look, you know, I'm going to make God a priority, ask him for forgiveness for whatever idol worship that you have, whatever addiction that you have. Ask him specifically to forgive you of that. Ask him for strength to overcome it. You know, and then walk with him daily because our strength is renewed every morning. As soon as you do your devotion and your prayer life, you know, you ask him for strength for that day and he will give you that strength. So what is step two? So step two, you know, cut down those high places. You know what I'm saying? You know what your addiction is. You know what your idol worship is. Cut it down. So remove it from your home. Remove it from your life. Those things that are causing that sin. Remove it 100%. Now this is going to require you to have faith and trust in God. You know, holding back any small portion shows a lack of faith. So if you're trying to quit alcohol, if that is your addiction, then get it out of your house. Get it out of your life. Uh, Make sure it's nowhere around. Um, Holding any of it back is going to show God that, hey, I don't really trust you. I don't have faith in you. You know, idol worship. Get rid of those statues. You know what I'm saying? Stop watching those shows, those TV shows that that you're addicted to that's causing you to skip your relationship with God. Now, I want to caution you, too, as well. Addictions and things like that, or even idol worship, when it comes down to it as a form of addiction, you know, may require some medical supervision. You know, make sure you know what you're doing. Now, number three, I challenge you to reach out to uh, an accountability partner. Somebody that you can reach out to when you need some strength. You know, you prayed to God. Um, you feel something going on. You know he's strengthening you. He's working in your life. But the devil is going to come at you. I guarantee you he is going to try everything he can to keep you a slave. Have someone that you can reach out to on the phone, text, email, and say, look, I'm feeling kind of weak right now. Can we talk? 
You know, have you got a minute? You know, have somebody that that uh, that is going to be there for you. A good Christian brother or sister um, will keep you right every time. And you can do the same for them with their idol worship and addictions. It's a two-way street. And then number four, and uh, and a very important one, is change this into your ministry. You know, you take this when God performs this for you and strengthens you, and you are out of it. Um, take this ministry and help others with it. You know, let them know of your weakness and what is going, what has been going on. Help them to be lifted up. You know, become their accountability partner. You know, that's what we're here for. You know, we're there to help others and to reach them to become better Christians. Now, one challenge before we go that I want to I want to speak with you about and it has to do with Paul and his thorns. Um, one question that you're going to have to kind of, you know, have in the back of your mind is what if God removes this addiction, this idol worship, but the urge is still there and maybe it's going to be there for the rest of your life um, and you're going to have to battle this for the rest of your life. And I will go into, uh, you know, what some people call a sensitive subject, but I don't really, you know, homosexuality, you know, that is an addiction. You know, homosexuality is an addiction. You know, what if God frees you from that, you're released from it, you know, yet the urge is always there. Satan is going to be there, possibly, to always tempt you with it. You know, that is your thorn in your side, and that is something you must always battle. You know, maybe it's cigarettes, maybe it's alcohol, maybe you fall off the wagon in a year or two, and, uh, and you sin, and you go back to it. Then pick yourself up. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for renewed strength. Don't stay in it. You know, continue to fight. You know, never give up. Two, two of the things that is in my Christian bookstore that is up on a dry erase board in my store that me and my people follow. Number one is God first. Number two is don't quit. You know, we never quit working for God. We do whatever he wants for us to do in that day. And ask for renewed, renewed strength every day. So maybe that will be your thorn. Maybe he won't take it away 100%. And more than likely it's to keep you humble. To realize exactly where you came from. So what can all this do? Let's say you're doing this and you're fighting the good fight. You're, you know, what is the end result? What, what can happen? You know, what can God do for you? Well, let's look at Second Kings 23-25. So the same chapter. But we're going to go all the way down to verse 25. And it's talking about Josiah here, and this is the end of his reign. It says, Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his mind and with all his heart and with all his strength according to all the laws of Moses. And no one like him arose after him. So you can turn to the Lord with everything you have. Now that you know the truth, and you can do this, you know, with the Lord's help, the Lord's strength, there's nothing in this world that you cannot accomplish. You know, as long as it's in His will and it's His mission for you. And you'll never know that if you don't have a relationship with Him. You are not have a good prayer life. You don't have a good devotion life. You don't read your Bible. Now let me, uh, what I would like to do is end in prayer because, you know, I have family members that have dealt with idol worship and addictions. I've dealt with it. You know, so what I want to do as we end is I want to pray for all of us for strength. Heavenly Father, we love you very much, and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, we ask that you forgive us 
for idol worship, for our addictions that we know is sin. Father, forgive us of our trespasses. Father, we ask that you give us strength, that you look after us, that you allow us to use this as a ministry to help others. Father, you have been good, so good to us, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, I humbly pray. Amen. All right, guys, it was good talking to you again today. Hopefully you got something out of this. Don't forget to visit us on our Facebook and iTunes. And I look forward to talking with all of you again. Talk to you soon.